Hi, welcome to Gathering 262. I am Cassie Hulse. We're here with Daniel Taylor. Um, Daniel, why don't we start off with you just telling us a bit about yourself, um, just the basics, you know, who, who's Daniel Taylor? Yeah, so I, I was born in Utah, um, but we moved to Texas when I was six. Um, so I grew up in Texas um, in a town called Stephenville. It's like a, an hour and a half southwest of Dallas. Um, I went on a mission to Santiago, Chile. Um, then I did a year and a half of college at the university that's in Stephenville. It's called Tarleton State University. Um, and then I transferred to BYU. So I got to BYU around 2016. Um, I think fall 2016 was my first semester there. And I did the film program at BYU. Uh, I graduated in April 2019 and then have just been here since then working in the film industry. Um, so I've got to work on some cool projects. Um, I've worked on some church stuff. I did like the season, newest season of the Book of Mormon videos. Um, I worked on season two of The Chosen, which is not the church, but it's, it's obviously faith based. Um, I mean, a lot of people think it's made by the church, but it's not. Um, so I've got to work on a lot of cool projects and do some fun things in, in film. And, um, you know, I, I really like anything outdoors, uh, like hiking and cycling, um, just big into just sports and outdoors kind of stuff. I enjoy all that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of a little bit about me. Tell me about a time in your life that you have experienced something that brought you closer to God. I guess one, one thing that I, I kind of would, would share is that, uh, and I probably, cause I've been thinking about it a lot recently is why it's on my mind, but, uh, just in the, in the film industry, especially in, in Utah, there's a lot of members of, of the church that are in the film industry. Um, and there's also a lot of ex members of the church that are in the film industry. And, um, so it's been interesting for me to work with some of these people who like have been able to navigate this industry and keep their faith and then see those who have, um, lost their faith. And I don't know that it's necessarily because of the film industry that they lost their faith, but, um, I think there's, there's just something about this industry that I feel like puts a, a unique strain on somebody's faith. Maybe the other jobs don't, and I don't really know why that is. Um, but it's there and I see it. Um, and sometimes like I'll hear people say stuff, they'll make, they're not, nece they're not necessarily trying to be antagonistic or anything, but they'll make passing comments, right? I just think like, it, 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 it's more like it gives me kind of an insight on maybe what might've happened that helped that caused them to lose their faith. And, and a lot of the times it's, it, it's comes down to 
just controversial things in church history or like controversial church policies, right? Like I'll, I'll hear them say things about, you know, like the, the church did this or this happened to BYU or, um, you know, just things like that. And, uh, and a lot of the times what it, the way that I think about it is it's, it's kind of sad because essentially what's happening is like the people in those, in those situations, what they're saying is like, because somebody else used their agency to do something that they shouldn't have done. I'm going to let that be a reason that I choose to not believe anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, that doesn't even make any sense. Right. It's like, I feel like, I don't know if it's just a misunderstanding of like what agency is and they don't understand that, that God will literally let us choose to do things like even really bad things like just because like this person was whatever a stake president or like an apostle and they said or did something doesn't mean that the church isn't true like our like to me it just comes down to agency like our our agency is is such an important thing that god will let us use it even if it makes the church look bad in somebody's eyes right like um, god's not going to be like oh you can't do that because if this person knows that you did that and that you're a member of the church then they'll think poorly of the church god's going to be like that if you do that you do that right and if that person thinks poorly of the church because of what you did like that's that's kind of on them right like everybody has agency and so um i don't know if that makes any sense but that's just something i've been thinking a lot about lately it's like don't like, don't let other people's use of agency affect your faith, right? Like, your faith is is based on, like, what you've experienced and, and what you believe. And so, like, for me, um, I just go back to spiritual experiences that I've had um, and try to try to focus on that and then also try to just recognize, like, what I was just talking about, that... Um, that like that person made a mistake that doesn't mean that what i've experienced spiritually is wrong or is not true right like there's things that we don't understand but that's just a part of like growing in your faith and i don't know i feel like some people just either they just give up too quick or too easy or maybe they want out and they need a reason and so they they just grab something that they don't like and use that as their reason um so I think you just, yeah, I don't know. I've been thinking, there's kind of just a whole lot of thoughts that I've been having recently. I don't know if that really answers the question. but Oh, no, totally. Yeah. How, so with working in the film industry, um, how have you, like, have you had any positive experiences that have, like, grown your faith as opposed to, you know, kind of witnessing the, the struggles of others? Yeah, I mean, um, working on The Chosen has been uh, a lot of fun because it's like because because it's not made by the church, right? There's there's multiple um, faiths that are involved in the creation of of The Chosen, right? Like the I don't know what the personal beliefs of of the various people on the production are, but I know it's it's varied, right? There's 
obviously there's members of the Church of Jesus Christ working on it. Um, I, I know there's, there's Baptist people working on it. There's probably Catholic and Methodist. Well, actually, so Jonathan, um, I forget his last name, but Jonathan, who plays the Savior, he's Catholic. Um, and then I'm Dallas Jenkins, the show creator. Um, he's some sort of evangelical, maybe Baptist. I don't know for sure. Um, so it's been a really cool to see like all of these different faiths come together and like work on, um, just creating a show about the savior and, and the apostles and their, their ministry together. Um, so it's kind of like breaking down barriers a little bit. Um, I don't, I don't know how many people know, like outside of the church, say, I don't know how many other faiths know the extent that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is involved in the production, right? Like, I feel like there's some people that if they knew how involved we were, they would maybe not want to watch it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've wondered that. So, um, so I think it, it's cool that, um, that that show has been able to bring different denominations of Christianity kind of together um, in a way that I don't know that a church made production could do right because of that reason like as soon as people see like oh like the church of Jesus Christ made this they're like I don't I don't want to I don't care mm-hmm. um, you know but when when it's sort of seen as just like a an almost a non-denominational thing then everybody loves it Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's been a really positive experience you mentioned you served a mission in Chile Mm -hmm. Um, super awesome I served in Lima, Peru Um, love that whole area anyways um, how would you how would you um, I guess I don't know if compare is the right word, but just thinking of your relationship with God post-mission versus pre-mission. Um, how, like, has it changed? What has that journey been like for you? Yeah, I mean, a mission is hard. <laughs> you know, it's... I don't, I don't know anybody that says it's easy. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for, for me, it was... And, and it's different for, for, it's difficult for different reasons, right? It kind of depends on the person. Like for me, a mission was really difficult because I had to, I had to talk to strangers all day long, every day. Right? And I'm, uh, you know, I'm not a super social person. Like to me, like talking to just walking up to somebody I don't know and saying hello and trying to have a conversation is, is a difficult thing to do. And, um, just my, my personality type. I'm not very interested in, um, in small talk, like just talking about the weather, like just talking for no reason, right? Like I have to be, there has to be something about the conversation that's interesting to me for me to like actually be invested in it. Um, and so that, that is obviously makes a mission really difficult because, you know, you can't necessarily just, you, you know, well, you should be interested in talking about the gospel, but you know, there also is just getting to know the person on a personal level. And, and so that was hard for me. Um, 
I, yeah, I really, I really struggled with that. And then just like being, uh, away, like so far away from home and, you know, back in those days, <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't call your family whenever you wanted. It was like, you know, twice a year. Um, so, uh, but at, at the same time, those are some of the things that made it, that made it so good, right? Because it, it forced me to learn how to be better at doing something that I'm really bad at. Um, and then it also forced me to rely on, on the savior, right? Cause like I couldn't just call my mom and be like, uh, like this is hard or having a bad day. I couldn't. And like the, the only person you can talk to, right. is like your companion. And like, that doesn't help. Like he's, not doing any better than you are right. <laughs> right? Right. just another kid going through the same difficult thing and then it's like then there's like okay well it's like your mission president but he's like worried about a million other things and so, no matter how much he tries to make you feel like he he really cares about you he just doesn't have time to care right the way that you that you like hope that he can you know yeah. um and so Basically, like all, all other sources of comfort are basically gone. Right. And so it's like the only thing that you really have to go to is, is the Lord. And even that is frustrating sometimes. Right. Because like, if, even if you're praying and like, I'm struggling, this is hard. Like sometimes the Lord doesn't do anything. You know, he kind of just like lets you work it out. And, uh, that can be really frustrating because in those times, like you literally just feel totally by yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I guess that's, that helps you maybe understand a little bit of how the savior felt in the garden of Gethsemane when he was like literally by himself. Like it was like, there was nothing else to do, but like perform the task that he had to do. It's like, he knew what he had to do. He's like, he knew that it was hard. It was going to be just terrible. And he wanted something else. You know, he wanted a way out, some sort of comfort. And, and even God was like, you just have to do it. Right. And, and so that's kind of how the mission was a lot of the times. It's like, really the only thing that you have for comfort is to pray and, and try to get some comfort from the Lord. But even then, sometimes it didn't come. And you just had to do it, right? And and you're not always successful. Sometimes you just, sometimes you don't talk to the person. Sometimes you just walk around aimlessly for an hour and feel like you're just wasting the Lord's time. But um, you just, yeah, so. Man, this is taking me back. <laughs> just like, oh, man. Yeah, and so it's <laughs> it's difficult, right? And that that's how the mission was difficult for me. And yeah. like waking up on time, like doing exercises, you know, studying, like none of that was hard for me. I'm a, like, I'm a routine person. Once I get a routine, like I can stick with it. I liked exercising. So that wasn't a problem. You know, like none, none of the like logistical parts of the mission were difficult for me. It was like the social part and the, like the feeling alone part. And, um, but those are, those are also the things that made me, that made me grow. And, you know, so if, uh, 
and it's and it's weird because like people in the ward might be like, well, this kid never says anything. Like, no, we don't even know who he is. And it's like, has he act, did the mission actually make him better? And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it did. You should have seen me before. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. I yeah. get that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I think the main thing that the mission did for me was just to summarize, like, force me to rely on the Lord, and then and also to rely on His timing. And if like the the comfort didn't come in the moment or like the peace to your mind didn't come in the moment, like just keep going forward. Um, Cause I don't think the Lord ever intended to, to coddle us all the way through this, this journey. I think he, he, he expects us to be strong. He expects us to remember what we felt before and rely on that. And, uh, and that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about, um, you know, just focusing on my own personal experiences. Cause like, if you've had a, a strong spiritual experience, even if it's just one, right? I think the Lord expects you to remember that. And he shouldn't have to repeat that over and over again. Um, so remember the, powerful experiences you've you've had um when you're going through a difficult time and you think you know you think to pray like god are you there like you shouldn't he doesn't have to answer that prayer right like you should be able to remember a time when you have felt him there really strongly um and rely on that right maybe he will answer the prayer then you know, because it's not like you're never going to have spiritual experiences after you've had a couple. You'll have other ones, but sometimes I think he expects us to remember. Rather than give us a new one, he expects us to remember the ones that we've had and to rely on that for our source of strength. Um, and so that's kind of where I, kind of what I try to do. You know, if there's nothing new coming, just remember what has what I felt before that is really good advice and I think also I mean that's echoed in the scriptures too when um I mean so many times uh whether it's Lehi or God himself saying like remember remember Mm -hmm. and you know he'll call to mind something but um and then even just the the um I guess one of the like lesser talked about commandments of like writing record keeping journaling um just like how important that is to aid us and i think for the exact reason that you're just exactly what you're talking about and it makes me this is kind of jumping subjects a little bit but kind of the same idea because it makes me think about like um things like um gardening in the set and like in general conference in the in like the 70s they talked about gardening all the time they like president kimball was really big on it and they like pretty much every conference during the 70s somebody if not president kimball somebody else would talk about like you need to have a garden like you need to like be producing your own food and things like this and they don't ever talk about that anymore yeah right and so it can we you might think well, well, maybe it's not important anymore. And it's like, no, like they already talked about it a ton. 
the Lord expects us to remember, like he doesn't need to talk about it for 50 straight years, right? Like it was talked about, like, remember that it still applies. Right. So it's like, it's kind of that same idea of like, um, the Lord doesn't have to keep hammering us with stuff. Like he gives us the message and then he expects us to remember it. Right. Right. Well, and that's also a part of like line upon line, precept by precept. Mm -hmm. If we are constantly losing the first couple lines, you know, it's hard to build off of that. Yeah. And yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. I never thought of that. Our final question is about the, the title of the podcast, which is gathering 262, which is, um, kind of, uh, a shout out to President Nelson's invitation to be a part of Gathering Israel. And um, so my final question to you is, how have you witnessed yourself being gathered by the Lord? Well, I think yeah, like uh, the word gather, right, is like, you know, like bringing together. Right, to like, or like collecting things and, and putting them either together or into, into place, taking them from wherever they are and bringing them to where you want them to be. Um, and so I think the Lord does that with us all at a, you know, at a, at a individual level, right? Like he takes us from wherever we are and works on bringing us towards where he wants us to be. Um, I think the key though to that is, is our doing so voluntarily, right? Like he's not going to force us to go anywhere. Um, and so I think for me, I have kind of witnessed the Lord's patience in gathering me, you know, bringing me from where I am to where he, he wants me to be. Um, I think I've, I've probably been willing like the whole time. I don't know that I was ever like fighting it, but, um, but it's difficult, right? Like, um, I think everybody has stuff in their life that makes it difficult for us to get to the place that the, that the Lord wants us to be. Um, and you know, like one of, one of my things, like I talked about in, in, um, sacrament in that one talk that I gave was like with pornography, like that's, that's like a really difficult thing, um, for some people. Um, and so like, I've always like, it's never, I've, it's never been my desire to like not get over that. Like there was never a time where I was like, I'm just going to embrace this. <laughs> right. This is just who I am. Um, so like the, the willingness was always there, but like the difficulty, um, was, was just, was just a barrier, right? It's like, it's a hard thing to, to get through. And so that's what I'm kind of talking about when I say like, I've witnessed the Lord's patience in, in like gathering me. Um, like bringing me from where I am to where he wants me to be. Um, cause it's, it's a process, you know, it's, um, 
There are people who can just cold turkey stop doing things, whatever it is. Um, and those people are amazing. I don't know how they do that. <laughs> um, that's just some otherworldly self-control um, that I don't have. And so it's in, in the case of most people, it, it sometimes is a long process to, um, to fully stop doing something. You know, you might, you might stop for a while and then like fall again. And, and then, you know, it's kind of just this cyclical thing of trying to overcome whatever your trial is. And, um, and I feel like in like during this process, like I feel like the Lord has been more interested in like just like help like teaching me lessons along the way. Like I, obviously he wants me to like to overcome it completely and to like never look at pornography again. Like that's like the end goal. Um, but I don't I think he's more interested in teaching me things along the way. He's not like you have to stop. You have to stop and never do it again right now or like you, you're a loser, <laughs> whatever it is. You know what I mean? I think like his, his patience has been in the teaching process, right? It's like, okay, it's like, what can I teach Daniel this time? And then like, I've learned that thing. And then I do, I take that and hopefully like become better and, and, get closer to a place that he wants me to be. And maybe it's that it's not so much like God's trying to get you to one place. I, I think he's trying to get you to different places at different times along the way. So it's like this little like just journey of like, I need you to get to here. And then once you're there, we'll start working on getting you to the next place. Right. And line upon line. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think that's what I what I've been witnessing in my life is it's like here's here's something that you can learn this go round. And then you know, if if you mess up again or struggle again, like we'll we'll learn something new that time. And it's just like and it it's almost counter intuitive in your mind because you think well well like how can i be getting better if i keep making the same mistake um and i think it's a it's like a it's a weird thing right it's and i think it comes down to like just just not giving up right if you're like always trying to get better at it then then like you will get better even though like you're st you're making the same mistake you're still getting better um and I think it's important to recognize that because uh, I think where a lot of people go wrong is they're like, well, because I can't stop doing this, then like, I just like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to progress. I'm not going to get better or whatever. And I just don't think that's, that's how the Lord works. At least it hasn't been like within my life. It's been just small, small lessons along the way. And, and like, I look at where, like I, where I am now, like, as opposed to, I don't know, five years ago. And like, I feel like it's better, even though in those five years, there were times where it was definitely worse times. And it was like up and down. Yeah. Right. But it's still, 
still moving forward and progressing. I don't know. That was kind of a long strain of of thoughts, but no, it was awesome. Um, I just read a quote today that was like, "Having a relapse in recovery is not failing. Giving up recovery is failing." Yeah, it's, well, I guess one more thought I'm thinking is uh, with pornography specifically not to like make this whole thing about that but um i think one of the lessons that i that took me so long to learn and that if i had learned it sooner would have been a tremendous help is well i guess it's kind of a couple of lessons but um one a lot of people have this problem like a, Mm -hmm. a lot I don't know about, I, like, statistically speaking, it's more of a male problem than a female problem, but on both sides, the, the problem exists. And um, without actually knowing the statistics, I could say that probably every single guy, like 100% of guys, mm-hmm. <laughs> have had this problem, are having it, or will have it. Yeah. Like, 100%. Like, that's how big of an issue it is and like how tempting of a thing it is and but the problem is is a lot of people think that they're that there's some sort of anomaly right like I used to think that I'm like there's no way like my friend or my brother my cousin has this problem like they're so much better than me there's no way that they have this problem too and but that's not true right? They do, right? If, if like, if you don't have this problem at any level, like if it's never been an issue to you ever, you're the anomaly, right? right. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so if you're like, if you're feeling like there's no way my friend, my brother, my cousin has this problem, like I can almost guarantee you that they probably do or have or will. Can I pause you for one second? Yeah. Just want to add the women's statistics. One in three millennial women. Um, I'm not sure that there are statistics on Gen Z. But um, so, I mean, if as a woman, if you're not struggling, then your friend or your sister likely is. Yeah. So, sorry, yeah, continue. So, that, so that's, that's like probably one of the biggest lessons. Um, like, so... I don't know if there's anybody listening to this and they're like, there's no way that I can admit to this problem because everybody will think I'm such a loser and a terrible person. Like, I guarantee you, whoever you choose to admit it to is probably going to be like, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? Or or at least they'll, you know, they'll be understanding. And, mm-hmm. and that was one of the other things. That I was like so scared to talk to a bishop about it. Like, I took, that took me forever. Um, and I like... Just like, it's fine. Like, I can tell you for personal experience that Bishop Lewis would be really good about it. (laughs) And then, uh, so kind of going along with that lesson, I was, I'm thinking about this because of what you said about like a father not being angry at their kid. Um, Because I, I think about like in the future, like with me, like being a father and having kids, like if, say like my son came to me and said like dad like i'm having a problem with pornography like i would be so 
proud of him for coming to me and talking to me about that. Yeah. Like I would not be mad at him. I wouldn't be upset about it. I would just be like, I'm like so happy that, that you came and like told me and like, I'm happy that like you have like, like the courage to talk to me about it, like to, to admit it. Like I would just be proud. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think that's, that's like another lesson that, that I should have learned. Those are kind of the two lessons that if I had understood those two things when I was like 17, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I don't know how big of a difference it would have made, but I think it would have, it would have been significant. I learned that one of the Hebraic meanings of the word Israel is let God prevail. Thus the very name of Israel refers to a person who is willing to let God prevail in his or her life. With the Hebraic definition of Israel in mind, the gathering of Israel takes on added meaning. The Lord is gathering those who are willing to let God prevail in their lives. The Lord is gathering those who will choose to let God be the most important influence in their lives. For centuries, prophets have foretold this gathering, and it is happening right now. As an essential prelude to the second coming of the Lord, it is the most important work in the world. We have been charged to assist the Lord with this pivotal work. When we speak of gathering Israel on both sides of the veil, we are referring, of course, to missionary, temple, and family history work. We are also referring to building faith and testimony in the hearts of those with whom we live, work, and serve. Anytime we do anything that helps anyone on either side of the veil to make and keep their covenants with God, we are helping to gather Israel.